Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. Well, this is Chad and Nate, but there's no Chad. Chad is off this week. You're listening to Nate. That's right. I'm driving this ship, and I got somebody with me you're going to like. My buddy James Merrillat. What's going on, man? Uh, yeah, I'm hanging in there, Nate. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. good. Did you have a good weekend? I did. I did. It was, uh, it was calm. Like, I have three boys. They're all in sports. So there aren't a lot of calm weekends where we don't have a basketball tournament mm. or football practice or something. And this was the last weekend until probably... December, where we where there was nothing on the calendar. It was fantastic. Just sit around, do nothing, figure things out. So it was great, a little calm before the storm, and it all gets rolling again starting next weekend. How about you? Uh, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, my son was not in daycare last week because they had the week off. That was a challenge. It was a challenge. It was a challenging week, yeah. followed by a challenging weekend. He's two and a half. He doesn't want to do anything that you ask him to do. He wants to... He, Look, That's not going to change. He's not going to grow out of that. And, and you know, I was I was a very rambunctious child. I had a lot of energy. I could see that. And he he's the same way. So if you think you're going to have a like like you said, hanging out at home, just having a relaxing, you know, just maybe watching a movie, watching. No, nope, you're not going to do that. And if you try to do that, he's going to make your life hell. Yeah, he's going to yeah. he's going to <clears throat> tear the house apart. He's going to bite you. He's going to hit you. He's going to pull your hair. He wants to be the center of attention, and he wants to be out. He wants to be out. Yeah. He wants to be on the move. He wants to be seeing some new stuff. He wants to be at the park. He does not want to be sitting at home. You know what, though? That is better than the opposite extreme. You've got one that's uh, got a, a natural curiosity yeah, he does. about life. That's a he good does. thing. You're not going to have to yeah. push him outside when he's yeah. older to go play and hang out with his friends and do all that kind exactly. of stuff. Exactly. It's going to bode well in the future right now. It's hard on mom and dad, but we're about to put him in a big boy bed. That's, so a, that's big a big step. moment. That's yeah. a big step. But he just hates the crib. He cannot. I mean, every time you put him in the crib, he freaks out. Did he climb out yet? No. He, he he's like pretends like he's going, but he never has. I'm just like waiting for him to do it. I know he can physically. Yeah. He just hasn't tried, thankfully. Um all right, James, any 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 Twitter beefs for you this this, um, this weekend? You know, it's it wouldn't be normal a, stuff. Wouldn't be a weekend, wouldn't be a day, wouldn't be an hour. The thing <laughs> of it is, Nate, like I don't even put something out controversial that I don't think is controversial or say something that that turns into it. Can you give an example of that? Sure, my Russell Wilson take. And because once again this weekend, it was, hey, here's the Instagram post of our greatest anniversary of all time. We're in Italy and blah, 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 which is fine. Whatever, go do your thing. And I don't care that Russell Wilson is in Monaco and London and now Italy and he's all over the place. I I don't care. It's his, it's especially now, it's his time off. I think it's a little bit of an issue when he's in you know London and the next day he's got... Um, OTAs, he made it back for it, so that's fine. But I do think at some point, burning the candle at both ends catches up with somebody. And, but I, an issue that he's partying with the ownership group? No, not really. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, it, uh, whatever company he wants to keep within reason, that's, that's fine. Yeah. So uh, I don't have an issue with it. All I said was, look, if the Broncos come out of the gates slowly, there's a lot of expectations for this year, as there should be. It's a team that has been... You know, they were 7-10 and 10 last year with Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, and Vic Fangio. 
So there's reason to expect now with Nathaniel Hackett and primarily Russell Wilson that this is a 10-win team, right? You what's, should at telling least flip you, it. what's telling you that Nathaniel Hackett is a better head coach than Vic Fangio? He can't be worse. Can't be? No. Vacant would be better Vic than... Vic did nothing well. Not really. Not one thing. Not really. Not in my mind. I mean, George Payton said he was a bad motivator. He was a bad tactician. He couldn't manage the clock. He couldn't manage timeouts. Like, no, I think he was, I think he, I think he held them back. But anyhow, so all these expectations, if they start off slowly, right? people are going to be panicky. People are going to be upset. People are going to be looking for reasons. You think they'll go back to his trips? Or, or Yeah. You don't think I do. they'll just focus on what's going on in the field and be like, man, you missed the read, Russell. You I, think about, man, you were in Monaco three months ago. I'm telling you. This game is on Monaco. I'm telling you, I've, and, and I don't mean to sound like old guy, <laughs> but I've, I've been there, done that. Whether it's in this town or probably the, the classic example of this is Tony Romo. Cowboys have a bye week. He and Jason Witten and Jessica Simpson and whoever Jason Witten's dating at the time go to Cabo. It's their bye week. They can go do whatever What's they wrong want. What's with that, right? He didn't miss a practice. No. They go out and lose, and what's everybody talking about? Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't have gone to Cabo. Even Tony Romo says now in hindsight, eh, you know, I should have done it. It's a bad look. He didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. But that's, that's in the what, middle of the season, though. That's what people focused on. It's in the middle of the season. It's going to come up if they struggle. If, if they play well and Russell Wilson plays well, nobody's going to care. I'm not going to bring it up if he if he doesn't play well. If if he struggles early, <laughs> you, and you I, won't. I won't. You won't retweet your tweet. No, you uh, you and I are going to talk a about question mark. A little. You and I are going to talk about what's happening on the field. Yeah, but will other people in Broncos country mm. and fans and things like that bring up the fact of hey maybe he ought to have you know one or two or eighteen less interests and focus on football? They will. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's going to be the case. And now it's turned into, like, I'm anti-fun guy, and I think these guys should never go have any um, experiences and vacations and how they spend their six weeks before training camp. I don't care. Jerry Judy was off hanging out with Lamar Jackson. I thought that was great. But it just turned into... They had a video of him him beating a little dude on a... Yeah, he was off working out, you know, playing with some kids at a camp or something like that. I thought that was fantastic. So um, that's why I say of... I'm not even trying to stir it up, and somehow I end up in the center of it, but... That's okay. I don't have a problem with that. You're a polarizing figure. It gets the conversation going. That's right. Nothing wrong with that. Um, you mentioned that Vic Fangio very, did very little uh, good. George Payton, when he when he did fire Vic Fangio, he said, this is the best football coach I've ever been around. He said that. One of the reasons I took this job is because of Vic Fangio. Exactly. And then he, and then he fired him. Mm-hmm. So obviously the communication is very, very important. Well, do you believe one of the reasons he took this job was Vic Fangio? Yeah, maybe. Because he didn't know. Uh, he didn't no. know how bad of a leader he was going to be. Less than a year later, he fired Vic Fangio. And you got to give George Payton a lot of props for pulling the trigger on that. Yeah, he, did, because it a guy year, that he was, did it a year late, but that's better than doing it two years late. You really think he could walk in and be like, hey, you're fired. He should have. Before you show me my office, this guy's fired. He should have. Well, it'd be a lot cooler if he did. Come on, Nate. We all, we all knew heading into last year that Vic Fangio was in over his head. Everybody, unless you're, you know... Working for the team and have to say that Vic Fangio is good. Everybody knew it. I said it after week one of his second year, after they lost to Tennessee, 17 games into his tenure. It's like, this ain't going to work out. The Broncos, you, did, you were the first guy. The Broncos wasted 32 more games trying to force that square peg into a round hole. It's not, I'm not saying Vic Fangio is not a good football coach in terms of X's and O's and 
defensive strategies and things like that, but he was a terrible head coach. Primarily because his focus was on the wrong thing. Well, he was. Yeah. I, I, I'm convinced. Defensive coaches are. Uh, it's just harder for them to be good head coaches because of the clock management stuff, the well, timeouts, understanding the flow of the game. Offensive coaches are always on top of that clock, always. And Vic Fangio wasn't. I think that's part of it. I also think, though, he had a hard time giving up the fact that, hey, I'm not just a defensive coordinator anymore. I'm, I'm right. convinced Vic Fangio would rather lose 17 to 13 and his defense play well then win 38-35 and his defense play poorly. Mm-hmm. Or if you look at a guy like Brian Billick, who got the job with the Ravens back in the day, because he was the offensive coordinator in Minnesota with Randall Cunningham and Chris Carter and um, Randy Moss and that whole group, he goes to Baltimore, and his offense was you know not particularly good. That was a defensive-minded team, and they won a Super Bowl. He was able to check his ego at the door. Vic Fangio never was. That was his biggest issue is it was all about his defense, and not about, hey, what's best for the team? And that was that was his number one fatal flaw. His ego. Like that's the way. It, was, it, it gets in, in the way of a lot of stuff, doesn't it, James? We're going to try to not let it get in the way of this show. All right. And keep this thing rolling. Training camp, Broncos training camp's only two weeks away. How many players do the Broncos have in the top ten in their respective positions? So far, the answer is three. We're going to give you details next. It's Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. I know for me personally, I can't speak for anyone else. I know for me personally, like, what I've done prior, like, you know, it doesn't matter. I have to, every single week, Prove and earn my coach's trust that I can make the right calls, I can make the right decisions, and I can put us in position to win football games. That was Justin Simmons right there talking uh, over Slam by Onyx. Uh, before we get into Justin Simmons and a new poll that has him really high, um, Mike Kliss just tweeted out, and I'm going to read it. Condoleezza Rice moved with her family to Denver when she was 12 and graduated with a bachelor's degree and PhD from University of Denver. So she has local ties besides giving the Broncos ownership. Another highly accomplished black woman along with Melody Hobson. Yeah, you heard that right. Condoleezza Rice is joining the ownership group of the Denver Broncos. What do you think about that, James? Uh, I think that's great. Uh, as Mike mentioned, she does have connections to Denver. I believe she went to DU. Uh, I also believe she dated Ring of Famer Rick Upchurch. Is that right? At one point. Wow. Yep. Yep. Um, I uh, when I when I was in high school, I went to high school with a girl whose mom dated Mike Shanahan back in the day. Really, in the Bay Area? Yeah. Oh, okay. Go figure. Huh? <laughs> Full circle here. Yeah, about that. Uh, so she's uh, you know she's uh, got a connection to the city, which is cool. Big football fan. She was a part of the college football selection committee for a while. Um, so she knows sports, knows football, knows Denver. How? Yeah. I mean, how well does she know football? Or is she mostly a politician? Why? Why bring her on? What? what What's the value there? Well, I, I mean, I, I do think having somebody that has a connection to the city is is good. I, I think, you know, you'd have to be a fool not to be able to understand from the outside looking in how important this team is to this city. But it's different if you're here. It's different if you're experiencing it, right? Like, yeah. I can look at Lincoln, Nebraska and go, you know what? The Huskers are pretty important. They're, they're, they're important out there. I they're, they're, They get behind their team. But if you live there and you, you know, are inundated by it, inundated by it day after day after day, and you're talking Husker depth chart in April. Like you, you just ha- have it at a different level. So um, I, I think that's important. 
I think just, you know, all sorts of different ex- experiences and backgrounds and perspectives I think are a good thing. Um, so, no, I, I, I don't see this as, a, as an issue at all. And look, look, is she more of a politician? Yeah, but there's a lot of aspects of being a professional sports team owner that kind of get into the political realm and having connections is not a bad thing. And Condoleezza Rice has a ton of connections, to, to put it mildly. So I think this is great news for the Broncos group. I think it just continues to be a more and more well-rounded group that, that is, you know, obviously led by the Waltons, but um, I like the folks that they've brought in to kind of round it out. I think it's great. Yeah, I agree. And, and let's be honest, when we were talking about who was going to be the owner here, uh, going through the different names and Rob Walton was the leader in the clubhouse, did you think that if if, if it is going to be Rob Walton, he's going to bring on Condi Rice? I did not see that one coming. No, no. that was not on your bingo card, was no, it? No, not at all. But no, you know so what? It's pleasant, pleasantly surprised. Your politics aside, because I don't want to get into that, that's a you know can of worms that half the people are going to be mad and half the people aren't. I think it's impossible to argue, though, that she is an unbelievably intelligent person. Yep. And so I think the, in any organization, the more smart people you have with a diversity of backgrounds and interests and perspectives and connections, the better. And I think this, uh, like I say, just helps round out the group more and more. I think it's a very good addition. Someone on the text line saying Condoleezza Rice eventually wants to become commissioner of the NFL. I think she'd be somebody that could definitely do that job. When do you think Roger Goodell will give up the reins? I don't know if you're making forty million bucks. Is that all? Is that always making? That's a good gig. I mean, you you have to take the arrows, right? Like you're the you're the bad guy, and you get booed at the draft and stuff like that. But you know what? That's a that's one of those assignments. It's like I wouldn't say you're a Supreme Court justice because you can't do it for life. But Paul Tagliabue walked away earlier than I thought he would. Pete Rozelle did that job for ages. Uh, in my lifetime, we're only on the third commissioner, so I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. You think Roger Goodell's gonna, done a good job? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I think as much as I sort of hated him, I do too. It's a it's a it's a thankless job because yeah. you make a lot of money, you represent the owners, and nobody feels sorry for billionaires ever, right? Or, or millionaires, nor, nor should they. Um, but I think he's I think he's done a good a good job. I mean, I'm trying to think like Deflate Gate was a disaster. That was that was a miss where suspending Tom Brady was a total mistake. Well, is that he cheated, James? Uh, you're into cheaters? No. Are you okay with that? Let's say your son's team, you're playing against another team, and they're bringing in their special balls. And... Happens almost every single game. And do you have a problem with it? Yeah, we. Are you, the, are you the dad that yells in the games? I'm a dad that yells. Well, I'm a coach that yells. Sure. Of course I am. By the um, way, James told me before before the show today, you, you did 4,100 steps on the Stairmaster. I did. And your goal for the year is what? Tell them. One million. A million steps. So it's 4,000. Wow. I got to do 250 days. 4,000. Little. I do a little over 4,000 steps a day. Wow. So I'm pacing. I'm halfway through the year. Oh. And at the end of June, I was on pace. And are you keeping a, a tally and everything? Oh, yeah. So where are you at right now? Uh, well, I was at five or 536,000 at the end of June. And I don't know. I've done probably 10 days so far this month. I haven't been. I think I missed a day or two. So I'm like at, you know, 580. Question is how, how tall? Would that building be? I a million think, I think on a daily basis, the moon, it's, two, it's 286 floors on a, in a building per day. So I haven't done the math on what that would be, but it'd be a tall building. Tall building, man. Tall building. And you're wearing it well, James. Thank you. I appreciate that. Nick. You guys can't see him, but he's popping out of his shirt. He obviously <laughs> weight trains as well. Okay, before, before the break, I talked about a an ESPN poll uh, took 
taken from players and coaches and execs who voted on the top ten players at each position. Um, and you got to wonder, what are your Broncos are going to be in those top ten? Well, there are three different ones. And one position has the number one player in the NFL. Do you know what position that is, James? I do, but that's only because I <laughs> you're looking at the paper, cheated and, and, yeah. and looked at it. I saw the story over the weekend. It's, uh, it's safety. It's Justin Simmons. That's right. Look, I think Justin Simmons is a really good player. I think he had a better season last year than he'd had before, where he was more of a playmaker. Uh, I, you know, I think so. He had a better season this most recent season. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I was not someone who thought they should give him a long term big money contract. I thought he was. Why is that? I thought he was a good player. I didn't think he was a great player. Has, has your tune changed now that you saw his improvement? Yeah, I think he's he's becoming that guy where you can't watch a game and not notice him, right? And I think about Honey Badger and Buda Baker and Fitzpatrick in Pittsburgh and guys like that where. They're just all over the field. And I go back in, in, in time to, uh, you know, Troy Palomalu and Ed Reed and those kind of safeties. And I was thought, is Justin Simmons that kind of safety? Like, he's well, good. Well, he doesn't, he's not a thumper. He doesn't come in and put the hurt on you. I think that's the that's only the real difference, isn't it? Well, I mean, there were, there were years where he had, like, two interceptions. Like, okay, over a 16-game season. You how, made, many Bo- how many did Buda Baker plays? have? I just feel like when I watch an Arizona game, I would notice Buda Baker. Last year, yeah, he, he is, he's a maniac. He's all over the yeah. place. And Honey Badger, like, he's, you can't miss him. So, so you're saying those guys are better than Justin? I thought they were heading into last season. I thought Justin Simmons had a really good year. Do I think he's the best safety in football? No. But do I have an issue with ESPN putting him one? And do I think that's outrageous? Of course not. I think he's, he's certainly in the top ten. He's probably in the top five. But, Nate, if you were drafting a team and putting them together and you were picking a safety would Justin Simmons be the first guy you would pick over Derwin James or Minka Fitzpatrick or Buda Baker? Or- uh, maybe. Maybe. It depends on how, who else you got in mind to round that out. And I think that's why the balance is important with these Broncos. And who's opposite Justin Simmons? You got Kareem Jackson right now, who is a thumper, who is going to come downhill and hit you. Yeah. He's going to take some more chances, maybe miss some more tackles, maybe not as good in coverage, doesn't have the range back there that Justin Simmons has, but he can come up and hit you. And I think that really the only... Uh, I wouldn't say defect, but the only element of of Justin Simmons' game to me that is lacking is is the physicality. I'm used to a safety who comes and puts some fear in you. Right. Right? You don't want to go across the middle because you're afraid of what this guy's going to do to your head. You Steve Atwater type, right? Exactly. And that's what we're used to in this town with Steve Atwater and Dennis Smith. John Lynch and, yep, you yep, know, Brian Dawkins. Brian Dawkins. And, uh, I mean, I don't know if T.J. Ward was – T.J. Ward, I guess, was that way. Um, Darian Stewart would hit you. And, and you know, it doesn't need to be at every hit type of thing, but every once in a while you come up and you just, you know, you sell out for this hit. Yeah. And, and so, I, you know what, if I'm if I'm being honest, that probably is a part of it. But it's also, you mentioned Kareem Jackson. You go back a couple of years ago, and there were games where Kareem Jackson was the best player on the field, right? The Broncos start off 0-4 with Vic Fangio. They go to L.A. to play the Chargers, trying to avoid their first 0-5 start of all time uh, in the history of the organization. He was the best player on the field, helped them win. They go to Houston. It was in the Drew Locke rookie year. Uh, it was his. It was uh, Kareem Jackson's return to play against his former teammates. He was the best player on the field in that blowout uh, blowout victory for the Broncos. I hadn't had a game like that, and I don't know that we still have of Justin Simmons. So I'm like, man, Kareem, Justin Simmons may not be the best safety on his team. That has certainly changed. Justin Simmons is better than Kareem at this point, but is he the best safety in the league? Nah, but you know what? He's in the conversation, and that's good enough for me. Is he the best safety in the league? James says, nah, but the execs, the players, the coaches in the NFL, they say, yeah, brah, 
Yeah, he is. There's two other players on the Broncos that made the top ten. We're going to get into that next. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. Well, before the break, James and I were talking about the this ESPN list. Uh, top 10 players at each position, polled players, coaches, execs. The Broncos have three players in those in, in the top ten. Uh, last segment, we talked about Justin Simmons. He's number one. He's the number one safety in the NFL, according to players, execs, and, uh, and coaches. Uh, but we're going to move on to the other position that the Broncos find themselves having a player in, uh, the top ten, and it's cornerback. Pat Sertan comes in at number seven. You think that's deserved, James? Sure. I mean, I think that's probably about right. I think he had a great rookie season. Uh, is he a top 10 player? I think arguably. So I don't have an issue with it. You th- I, but you think it's close. You think he might be out of the top 10? I just think there's a, there are a lot of good corners in the league. You start looking at some of the guys who didn't make the list. And, you know, Stephon Gilmore is in the honorable mention category. and Washed up. J.C. Horn and players like that. So it's like, okay. J.C. Horn, the rookie? Well, he's a rookie, same year Pastor Tan was. Like, was he worse he didn't, he than Pastor Tan? Well, yeah, he didn't. He got hurt. He didn't even really play. Okay, he got he, drafted ahead of him. He's right? like, yeah, just ahead of him. Yeah, so, he did. He got hurt and didn't play the whole season. He's yet. eleven, right? So it's like, okay, he's right on the outside looking in. I, and it just reminds me of Dmax column today at DenverFan.com, where he talks about even with the revisionist historians trying to make it look like George oh, Payton no, had this master plan, and that's why he passed on. Justin Fields and Mac Jones and took Pat Sertan because he knew he was going to get Russell Wilson. It's ridiculous. And even with no. that. Yeah, he didn't know that. And even with that, it's still in D-Mac's mind was a mistake because you can get <laughs> cornerbacks. hilarious how the, this line of reasoning is well, still a thing. But you can get cornerbacks another way. Allen. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> K- 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 but look who's number one. Look who's number one. Jalen Ramsey. He's not on his original team. No. Right? He, he was. Well, why is that a why is that an argument against Davian like, Howard number four is that it is that his original team like a lot of these guys move around J C Jackson not his original well Jalen forced his way out I I get it but D Max point was you can get cornerback D Max point was I am so stubborn I will no, never no, 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 admit no. that I was wrong I think okay considering George Payton you can get cornerbacks other ways <laughs> okay tell me how. Free agency or trades like that's how the Rams so the Rams have the number one corner on this list, and they got him via a trade. Right, George Payton was brought in to acquire talent, right, to 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 build the football team with the best possible football players he could, based on his expertise, what he knows about football, his years at the workbench, studying the trends, working for the best in the business, yeah, learning from your mistakes, right, yeah, and he came to the conclusion that on the board the best guy for this team was Pat Sertan. Now, I know the argument is, and you're shaking your head already, James, that if you know you need a quarterback, you got to get one. Correct. There is an argument on the other side of that. If you know you need a quarterback, you might have a bad team, and it might be in your best interest to build up that team until the right quarterback falls in your lap, the quarterback that you like. You actually value his skill set and believe he's going to fit in well. How many quarterbacks, James? His talent has been wasted by coming onto a crappy team, putting it all on their shoulders. They fizzle out and they never catch fire. It's 
How many how many guys would have been great had they gone into a different scenario? You never know. We never it's know. A, you're but a victim I, of circumstance when you're, you're a young quarterback. I think if you're great, eventually that ends up shining through. Is that right? I'm with DMAC. If you don't have a quarterback, you got to keep drafting one. And he also makes the point, and I think this is a good one, if you had Justin Fields on your roster, hypothetically, and Russell Wilson became available, you would have had to give away less to get Russell Wilson because you would have packaged Justin Fields. You think they would have wanted Justin Fields? More yeah. than they wanted Drew Locke, and I'm a Drew Locke But you wouldn't supporter. have dealt Justin Fields after one year. If Russell Wilson was available, you would have. Yeah. I just think a cornerback, I think it is an but You just made an argument. Position. You just made an argument that you can get a quarterback, you know, you don't have to draft a quarterback to get him. You can get him in other ways. You, the same is true for quarterbacks. They got mm, Russell Wilson in another way. I think we've seen with Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, and Russell Wilson, I think we've seen an aberration. I don't think it happens very often. You don't think another quarterback's going to force his way out after this year? Deshaun Watson, uh, if Baker Mayfield, these guys are moving. <laughs> Carson Wentz. Teams, Sam Donald. These guys are moving a, all over yeah, but all team, the time. Teams that have a Aaron Rodgers great quarterback. Was, you know, pretending like he wanted to leave. By the way, did you see Aaron Rodgers' new tattoo? Yeah. I did. Whatever. Teach their own. You're not a fan? You got any tattoos, James? I don't. No. I don't. Just not that we can see, huh? But again, teach their own. You got messed up, A.A. Ron! I just think for the most part, if a team has a great quarterback, they aren't letting him go. The Packers and Aaron Rodgers, example 1A. I think cornerback is... Perhaps the most overrated position in all of football. Corner. Corner. Why? Because. Overrated. Look, they, they, By whom? They had Pat Sertan last year. They went 7-10. and 10. Champ Bailey was here for, <laughs> Champ Bailey was here for a, a decade. How many times did Champ Bailey's team go to the playoffs? Well, they went to the playoffs when they had Jake Plummer and when they had Tim Tebow in the miracle year and then when they had Peyton Manning. It was all about the quarterback. It didn't matter how good Champ Bailey was. You can only impact the game so much from that position. It is maybe the one position in, in football, Nate, that if you're the opposition, you can just go, okay, we'll just ignore that that guy. And what and do you think that direction. does to your game plan? And it, what do you think that affects and what, who do you think that gives the advantage to when you actually have to shut you cannot throw to one side of the field? It depends on who's on the other side. If it's like, okay, we're not gonna go to Pat Sertan and now we'll just pick on Ronald Darby all day. <laughs> or Ronald Darby. <laughs> I don't think that hurts the offense at all. <laughs> I think it probably steers them in the correct direction. Hmm. I just think interesting take. I think you can make a Above average corner look really good and put up good numbers if you have a great pass rush. I think if you have a great cornerback and you can't get to the quarterback, that guy can't cover forever and it doesn't matter. That's why I think it's slightly overrated. You you can only make so much of an impact from that position. There are other things that are much, much more important. So, case in point, and this goes back to D-Max column again, he said, hey, even last year, Micah Parsons would have been a better pick. Correct, would have been. That's a guy who impacts the game in terms of getting to the quarterback and making plays all over the field. Rashawn Slater would have been a better pick. I'm not so sure about Man, that. Come on now. Now you're reaching. I, that's I can understand reaching. the Micah Parsons thing because he had a great year. He was the defensive rookie of the year. Right. Uh, I, I think the Rashawn Slater one's a reach, but you know what? They'd be set at left tackle and at right tackle, and we wouldn't still be talking about, hey, is it going to be Billy Turner? Is it going to be Calvin Anderson? Who's it going to be? That would be set for a decade. So uh, you can you can make the argument even if you don't want to go quarterback with that pick that Pat Sertan was a miss. I think it's just way too high to go with a cornerback. I think you're much better off having three sevens or eights at that position than one ten and a bunch of fives. And I think the Broncos have a ten. I think Pat Sertan's really good. But a ten and a bunch of fives is just going to say, okay, we'll just go away from that one guy and we'll go pick on the other two or three corners. I, I don't think it makes this as huge of a positive impact as people think. 
So I'm here to tell you, James, that it really does. All right. Okay. All right. Because the stats don't, just because the stats don't tell you something is happening doesn't mean it's not happening. If you don't hear a, a cornerback's name throughout a game, he, he's doing something right. It means he's shutting down his area. Often. Champ Bailey, I know you say, we, you didn't win anything with Champ, man. You didn't win they the didn't. Super Bowl. 2000. They went, they went to the playoffs like three times. It right. was when they had a quarterback figured out. Obviously, that's important, too. It is the most important thing. Okay. You can win with a <laughs> mediocre cornerback. You can't win with a mediocre quarterback. Sure you can. No, you can't. You, you need your quarterback to play well. I think, I think we get into some... Some kind of false narrative territory when we talk about the quarterback and how, quote-unquote, important his job is. It's the most important job on the field. I will tell you. It's the most important job in all of sports. Okay, I will agree with you that his job is very important because he handles the ball every play. But you do not need him to play like a unicorn. You just need him to play well. That's it. You're mistaking uh, unicorn for just playing no, well. No, yes, no, yes, yes. Look Aaron Rodgers is the unicorn. What did they do last year? Well, look at the Los Angeles do? Rams. They won the Super Bowl. Right. What was their big change? Matt what, what Stafford they change? played well. He was vastly superior to Jared Goff. That was the difference. And Jared Goff didn't play well. Coach. Jared Goff didn't play well. Matt Stafford played well. He is not a unicorn quarterback. He is a guy who came into a fully formed team that had an identity, James, and he played well. Why did the Cincinnati didn't Bengals perfect. go to the Super Bowl? Did, did Matt Stafford do anything last year that made you say, wow? Yeah. Really? It, it, yes. Against the Rams in the, was that the NFC title game? He played when, for the Rams. When, the, Ram, when the, the Bucks came, or sorry, against the Bucks, when the Bucks came all the way back and tied that game and Tom yeah. Brady's leading the comeback on the road. He threw a deep ball Matthew to Stafford Cooper Cup. hits Cooper Cup to get him down in chip shot field goal range. That yeah, was that was good. a good throw. It, he played well. <laughs> Everyone needs to play why, well. Why did right? the Bengals go to the Super Bowl? Why are they suddenly a Super Bowl contender? You're going to say it's because of one guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, everyone else. Why, have the why Broncos, are they even out there? Why have the Broncos lost 13 consecutive games to the Chiefs? Uh, a variety of reasons. No, it's the guy behind center. It's because Patrick Mahomes has been the starting quarterback. For 13 games? Why are the Chargers, why do they have a better per, uh, chance of winning the AFC West than the Broncos? According to who? The odds makers. Look, man, the Chargers didn't make the playoffs last year. I'm with you. I think that's ridiculous, but okay. you know, the only the reason is because people love their quarterback. People love their quarterback, but it's about the team, James. It is a team game, okay? And if you don't have every swinging Richard out there moving in the right direction, <laughs> then the quarterback's going to look bad. I'm with you. You do understand that, you know, we talk about these dependent positions and, oh, like, the, every position on the field is dependent. Really, only the kicker isn't. And the kicker is even dependent on the holder. But Nate. And God for the way he's blowing the wind. But Nate, the last Tell six me. years, have the Broncos had some talented players in this town? Sure. Okay. Look, well, what not, have they not had? I'm not arguing with you that the quarterback isn't important. It's been the number one problem. And then head but coach is do, number two. But you don't need him to be a world beater. And I'm going to tell you why. Next. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. Microphone checker. <clears throat> is this thing on you? It sure is. Back with James Merrillat. James filling in for Chad while Chad is on vacation. Before we get back into the spirited discussion we were having about quarterbacks, and it started actually about Pat Sertan, and 
James thinking that Pastor Tan was a mistake. It was a mistake to draft that guy. You would have much rather had Justin Fields and been able to use that as a bargaining chip to get Russell Wilson. Wouldn't have had to give up as much. So was, you'd have Russell Wilson right now. You wouldn't have Pastor Tan, but you would have had another draft pick that you might have drafted a guy not as good as Pastor Tan. Is, is that where I'm going with it? Partially. I mean, that was DMAX column at DenverFan.com. Got it. I was just letting people know what he said. <laughs> I just think Micah Parsons would have been a better pick. I do think Micah, like, yeah, Micah Parsons is a freak, right? Uh, but when all said and done, Pastor Tan's going to have the better career than Micah Parsons. Mm, we shall see. We, we shall. shall see. He just he plays a position where it's hard to make a weekend, week out impact. Yeah. But the Broncos also had a guy in the top 10 in the position that makes the most impact. Ooh, yeah. And uh, we're going to get into that in one second. I do want to. Uh, mention a, a, a bit, of, bit of breaking news, and here's a statement um, released today from Rob Walton on behalf of the Walton Penner Family Ownership Group. We're pleased to welcome former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice to our ownership group. A highly respected public servant, accomplished academic and corporate leader, Secretary Rice is well known as a passionate and knowledgeable football fan who's worked to make the sport stronger and better. She is the daughter of a football coach and served on the inaugural college football playoff committee. She moved to Denver with her family when she was 12 years old and went on to attend University of Denver for both college and graduate school. Her unique experience and extraordinary judgment will be a great benefit to our group and the Broncos organization. So, hey, let's all welcome Condoleezza Rice to the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I think it's a great addition. I think you're going to have a certain number of people anytime you get somebody that's a political figure that are going to be bent out of shape about it. But if you put that aside and just look at it and say, hey, what is what are her qualifications in terms of experience and intelligence and connections and all those kind of things, I think it's a great addition. All right, well, let's get into this top 10 quarterback ranking because you know we all love the quarterbacks, man. Well, I'll put it this way. Why do the Broncos have a much better chance of going to the Super Bowl this year than last year? Oh, dude, I have I have no objection or argument with you about the importance of having that piece in place. One hundred most important thing. The second most important thing is head coach. So they're vastly superior in both categories. Right. Right. Any okay. Any position on the field where you have a weakness, you got to fix it, or it's going to show out. It really is. And yes, the quarterback because he touches the ball. Every single play, because he's actually the guy who has to communicate verbally the plan to the other players. He has to be the one who's got them all lined up right. He's the figurehead. He's the only one who's speaking, and his brain has to be engaged. He has to be able to distribute the ball to the right spot at the right time for that reason. I will grant you that he's the most important player, but he does not have to have, let me see how to put this, um, A-plus talent Everywhere you look. He doesn't have to have a rocket arm. He doesn't have to have be able to run a four four forty. He doesn't have to be six five. He just has to be able to get the job done. And, Agreed. And as you can see, I'm describing Russell Wilson here, right? He's a guy who doesn't who, who's five eleven, who is, doesn't have the best arm in the NFL. Throws a great deep ball. He's got a bit of a dad bod when you look at him in his travel photos. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he gets the job done. Do you think he, that's gonna be a problem? No. He's Are a, you worried about his diet? No. He's a great, great quarterback. That's why the Broncos are now in the conversation as a legit Super Bowl, Super Bowl contender because they have a great quarterback. For the first time since Peyton Manning rode off into the sunset, they have they can check that box. And it, it, there are only two positions in football, though, that because you can't be great at every spot. 
Right, you can't have an all-star team. You can't have a pro. But you can at every be spot. excellent at every spot. And, mm-hmm. I, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna play something yeah, out yeah. for you. I'm gonna ask you a question, okay? Why, when John Elway left, the Broncos were still competitive for years to come, basically until Shanahan got fired. Right? Yeah, competitive every year. But when Peyton Manning left, they fell off a cliff. What is the difference there? Why did that happen? Why are those two scenarios so vastly different? How did that occur? Well, the first year after Peyton Manning left, they went 9-7 and seven with Trevor Simeon. And the reason is, is because Gary Kubiak probably should have been coach of the year that year, going 9-7 and seven with Trevor Simeon. So the Broncos, after John Elway retired, didn't fall off the cliff. They went 6-10 and 10 the first year, but then got back into being you know a, a team that was at least interesting and somewhat in contention was because Mike Shanahan is a Hall of Fame coach. Right, it's coaching. It's the two most important things. It's head coach and quarterback. It's coaching. So when I got here in 2003, okay, Jake Plummer got here the same year. He was coming in to make the team better, right? But the team was already good. And everywhere you look, there were veterans and professionals who were held to the highest standard of excellence and taught, taught the young guys that. And so that it wasn't about the play of one guy. We didn't worship one guy. We didn't feed grapes to the quarterback or, or fan him in leaves or ask him how he was doing today. These were a group of men who all held themselves to the same standard. And so if one guy gets hurt, we're going to be all right. And my argument is that the Broncos need to build that type of team so that it isn't about one guy. We're making it about one guy right now. It's Russell Wilson. If Russell Wilson gets hurt, they're going to win three games. And that's a problem. It's the reality of every He's team He's a in running the quarterback. No, it can't be. It can't if Tom be. Brady gets hurt, how many games the Bucks winning? They they're three. T- they're, they're preparing so that whoever's behind him can come in and if play. If Matthew Stafford gets hurt, the Rams, who won the Super Bowl, are winning three games. That shows an imbalance in the force. It's just James. the reality of the situation. If you don't have a quarterback, you're SOL, and there aren't thirty two of them, let alone enough that you got a good backup. It's not a knock on Josh Johnson. Why? It wouldn't matter. So it wouldn't so, matter. If J- who was the backup? For Jake at the time. If Jake would have got hurt and missed significant time, Steve Berline's going to come in and lead you guys to the playoffs? Danny Cannell? <laughs> no. It DK, just wasn't going to happen. DK. They, they, they were so, competent so, backups, but they weren't going to be good week in and week out. Right. Don't, only, don't you think that's a problem, though, in the sport of football? Where, yeah, but it's where, just a reality. If your quarterback is hurt... It's a reality, but when you learn... Start working on the draft. James. When things happen to your team, you have to learn from your mistakes, right? I am a little bit concerned about Josh Johnson as the backup. Russell Wilson is a running quarterback. He likes to make things happen with his legs, right? And uh, when you do that, you put yourself in the danger zone. There's guys coming to take your lunch. Yeah. Now, he's very good at getting down, sliding, not taking those hits. But eventually, you're going to miss. You're not going to see the guy coming from the side. Or you're going to slide a a hair too late, and these dudes are going to jump on you. My concern is that if Russell Wilson gets hurt, what happens to these Broncos? That's why this running game is so important. That's why the backup quarterback is a very, very important position here. Now, I'm not arguing with you that quarterback is important. What I'm arguing about is how important the rest of the team is. You seem to think it doesn't even really matter who you put around him. It's all about the quarterback. So why is it that Deshaun Watson, the last year he played, the highest Paid, you know, guy in the NFL right now. Correct. Went four and twelve. There's always exceptions. No, John Elway had bad years too. He did. He had seasons where the Broncos weren't good record wise, but by and large, if you look at all the playoff teams last year, 
for the most part, they all check the box at quarterback. That's just how it works. Of course, man, because you know why? Because the teams are playing well, so the quarterback looks good. That's how it goes. But it's head coach and it's quarterback. If you take Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and put them on the Broncos last year, that's the only two things you change. That's it. They're probably 13-4. and four, Come on, five. James. No, I'm, I'm Andy 100% Reed, serious. Pat Mahomes. That's the only change you'd have to make. And if you put Vic Fangio. So they'd be a better team than the Chiefs were because they didn't go 13-4. That'd be 12-5, 13-4. You put Vic Fangio and Teddy Bridgewater in Kansas City, they're winning six, seven games. Mm. That's just the, the, that's the way the sport works. There are only two positions in football, in my mind, that you can't hide if you have a deficiency. Quarterback is at the top of the list. Eventually, teams are going to figure you out. I agree with you. You cannot be deficient. You just don't have to be Peyton Manning. To win, you got to find to a guy who plays well. Consistently, you do. Look, you can win once with Jeff Hostetler, once with Brad Johnson, once with Trent Dilfer, but you can't do it consistently. The other position is is edge rusher. You can't hide that. I mean, you can try to try to with blitz, 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 but eventually teams can figure that out. You're right. If you can generate a good pass rush just by bringing four, yeah. you're going to be a dynamic defense. If you constantly have to blitz Larry Coyer style, at some point Ben Roethlisberger is going to pick you apart. Those are the two positions you can't. You can game plan and scheme for other issues, right? You got you got a tackle that's not quite great. Billy Turner is just all right. We'll put a tight end out there, and you can you can help him. You can scheme to it. You can't hide a bad quarterback, and you can't hide a deficiency at edge rusher. The rest of it, and you, this always. How do you define bad quarterback play? What we've seen here the last six years is a pretty darn well. That's not what I mean. James. Good way to look at. I it. mean, look, t- tell me what makes a good quarterback. A good quarterback is a guy who can make all the throws, and that's why I was always more of a fan of Drew Locke than Teddy Bridgewater or other guys, is on third and ten, can you make a throw when they got seven guys in coverage, and can you fire it in between defenders and and move the chains? He could do that. Now, he wasn't good at making decisions, because that's the other part of it. First and foremost is physical. This whole notion, you know, when I hear, oh, I want to have a smart quarterback. No, you don't. You want to have a talented quarterback first, then you want to have a smart quarterback. You got to have both. But if you just have a smart guy, you've got Trevor Simeon, right? Like at some point, you have to have the what talent. You, when you say talent, what defines talent? You say an arm strength, athleticism, yeah. that kind of thing. It's arm talent. It's ability to make all the well, throws. Was Peyton? Could Peyton make all the throws when he came here and led this team for four years? Peyton was a little bit of a different animal because his skill set. I mean, yeah, he does different you, animal. You, you compare him to, you know. Jay Cutler, does he have that arm? No. But Peyton he couldn't. Got, I'll answer it for you, James. He couldn't make all the throws at that time. But he had. But t- he was able to make up for it with his mind. His mind, but it was still the physical ability. Peyton Manning was the best no, I've ever seen. It was not the physical ability. No, no, it was. Timing and accuracy. Timing, okay. His ability to put the ball in That's exactly the right about. spot yeah. is a skill that not a lot of guys have. So it doesn't have to just be, hey, Correct. I can throw it 100 miles an hour. If you're a pitcher you were and you just throw 100 miles an hour and you don't know how to hit, a, hit throw a strike, right. it doesn't matter that you throw 100 miles an hour. So accuracy can also be a part of that, and Peyton was the best at that. But you have to have the physical abilities first, and then from there it's the smarts to make the right decision. You have to have both, but give me the guy that's got the physical talents and I'll figure out how to either make him smarter or make him look smarter. You, you can't make a guy who's smart, you can't make him look like he can rifle the ball into tight spots or throw the ball accurate. You just can't. We saw it with Trevor Simeon. He couldn't throw a Hail Mary from the 45-yard line. 
That's a problem. It is a problem. So typically when, uh, you know, when you step into a huddle with a quarterback, okay, they get the they get the play call in their ear, and they turn and they tell you the, what the play is, all right? Yeah. You know, red, right, 324, dancer, on one, on one, ready, break. You go out, you all line up. Quarterback's looking around, making sure everyone's lined up the right way. He gets under center. He gives his cadence. He kind of looks at which side he wants to throw to based on the coverage. He drops back and he throws that ball. What made Peyton Manning special and a transcendent player in the NFL is that he was in the huddle. And I wasn't in the huddle with him, but for all, by all accounts, he was in the huddle saying, all right, we might run this, we might run this, we might run this, check with me. He'd step to the line of scrimmage, and he would be watching you. He'd be looking at the defense. He'd be trying to he's, – he's, he's got lock, his side of the line of scrimmage locked in. It's all about the other side of the line of scrimmage, okay? And I'm going to continue to tell you, James, why you're wrong about quarterbacks next. <laughs> Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.